Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Good morning, everyone. How are we all doing? Awesome. It's good to see Glenda here. I think this is your second week back, and uh, she's been uh, sick and, and stuck at home for the last several months, so it's good to see you. Her again, and uh, several of our old faces here, and new people. And I uh, hope you're having a good Sabbath day so far. If you don't know me, my name is Walker York. I have the pleasure of serving on the team here at AOI, and, and I'm honored that I get to serve uh, Yahweh's people in any capacity that I'm allowed to. If this is your first time here, welcome. And if you need anything at all, uh, come to me, and I know exactly who can help you. <laughs> Uh, I actually had a different joke that I was going to open up with. I mean, it was a good one. It was zinger, and uh, I mean, it would have blown your hair right off. But looking around, I noticed that some of y'all have already heard it. So, <laughs> but today we're going to be speaking about freedom. Galatians five verse one says, "It was for freedom that Messiah has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery." Freedom. I'm excited for this service today. I'm excited uh, for the direction and all the community that, uh, that is happening in our AOI family. Uh, who all here knows that true relationships aren't built by sitting in a room uh, with other people for an hour and a half? But lasting, meaningful relationships are built by people doing things together. Doing things like we're doing. Moving with action. And I mean, sitting together... Uh, during a sermon can bring you together somewhat you know, with someone, you know, you're sharing some tears or you're sharing some laughs together or you're rolling your eyes uh, wondering when is that speaker going to get off of there. You know, pain can bring people together a little bit too. Uh, and I was actually thinking about that this week. Um, I've had an indoor job, an office job for the last few years, but for the most part of my life I was in you know, construction, outside working. And uh, some of the strongest relationships that, I, that, I, relationships that I've had is with the men that, uh, that I've worked with, uh, when, you know, when the going gets tough, you get going, the pain. And you know, when it's winter and it's eight degrees outside, the sun hasn't been seen in the last few days, and you're on an open cab piece of equipment, but you have to get this job site uh, tidied up, graded off before you leave. You can't feel your fingers or your toes. And you're doing the math, you know, wondering in your head, you know, you're breaking down your hourly wage wondering why you're out here suffering through this for 28 cents a minute. Uh, but you press on because it's what's expected and it's needed. And, uh, and then later that night, you know, say 9 o'clock, you wrap up, everything's completely done, and you're sitting in the truck with three other guys, you know, thawing out. Uh, that's when lasting relationships have the opportunity to be built. Uh, lasting bonds. When you've gone through the fire together or a winter storm together. Uh, and you definitely don't have to go through winter storms to, to build a meaningful relationship with someone. But doing things together uh, is definitely the way to make lasting relationships with the people in our life and to see who they really are and who they can be. In a world uh, where it's easy to get lost in the hustle and the, and the buzz of life, surface friendships are easy to make our go-to uh, for the people around us. And that's why... Um, you can call it whatever you want, but that's why small groups are so important. 
uh, you know, whether it's just you call it the guys getting together once a month or, or the girls getting together and playing cards or, or whatever it is, the idea of small groups getting together and sharing uh, your struggling, sharing your wins, it's important. Uh, whether it's assembly found, founded or, or you're doing it all on your own, doesn't matter. Iron sharpens iron. You know, we all know the, the, the story of uh, the preacher who brought the coal out of the rest of the fire bed and it, how it immediately, uh, within you know, a minute or something, it, it, it starts diminishing, it goes away, it loses energy, it loses its power. But whenever we're all together, that's whenever we're, we stay together, we grow. And the, we know the world isn't what it used to be. You know, if someone shows up at someone's house now, uh, unannounced, unexpected, uh, just to visit and say, hey, how's it going? Uh, for the most part, the people that I know in my generation are going to look at that person like, hey, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you here? Uh, and that's not how it used to always be, but that's just kind of how it is now. And there's exceptions, of course. But America's social life isn't what it used to be. Uh, in a world that's gone social, we are losing a lot of our social uh, moments of face-to-face interaction. And I'm not saying it's all bad, but recognizing that it's different is a healthy, it's a healthy thing to do. And so we need to be intentional about finding those relationships with the people that are going to sharpen us, the people that are going to encourage us, laugh with us, cry with us, uh, help us to have that freedom that our Messiah died to give us. True freedom. Uh, not freedom in the sense uh, of the freedom we as American citizens uh, ex- exercise, uh, which I'm all for protecting and expounding on, uh, obviously, but rather the immense freedom we have as believers and followers of Yeshua. The freedom we can experience as sons and daughters of the Most High Elohim. And we as humans are, I'll speak for myself anyways, that I can have a very carnal uh, idea when it comes to freedom, that freedom means, I mean, ultimate freedom would mean that I can do whatever I want, whatever worldly you know, thing I want to just go after, I'm completely free to seek all my pleasure. But that's not biblical freedom. Whenever we read about freedom in Scripture, it's a lot different than that. Uh, have you ever felt led to, to do something or reach out to someone, and you really feel it, but then you, know, you feel like the Spirit might be moving, but then you hesitate? And then you don't do it. Uh, hopefully not, but if you have, you're not alone. And, and Yahweh probably still got what he wanted done, done but he probably uh, used a different vessel, a different person, or a different avenue, and he possibly missed out on an opportunity. Uh, this happened to me this week. I felt it and almost did it, but then didn't. But Yahweh knew that I really needed it, and uh, so he made it happen anyways. And uh, so I still benefited from it. I was walking out of the office this week. And I got a sudden urge uh, to reach out to a friend of mine that I hadn't spoken to uh, in probably five or six months. I had, a t- I had a text written, all written up to him. I was going to uh, ask him how he's been and, and see if he wanted to grab some lunch sometime uh, and catch up. Uh, but then I sat there and I was like, stared at my phone. I was like, it's 1220. I mean, he's already eating lunch or he already has lunch plans. And I, said, and I put it aside. And I said, no, I'll just do it another time. I'll call him some other time. So I deleted the text and uh, moved on with, with, the, with the day. And then about 20 minutes later, I get a text from my friend. Uh, the friend that I had almost texted in. And the text, look, you know, it pops up on your screen. You know, you have a little preview. 
and it looks like he's basically responding to the text that I that I was that I was thinking about sending him. You know, he's saying you know that uh, he you know uh, the family's been pretty good, but him and the wife are you know having some struggles and uh, in some areas, and he would like to get together soon. And so I'm like, did I accidentally send that text? And so I go back and look at it, and I hadn't. Uh, but he just sent it out of the blue. So what are the odds that we hadn't we hadn't spoken a single word in six months? And then all of a sudden, I felt led, but I didn't. Thank goodness he followed through with it on him on his end. Uh, so I immediately call him up, so I can, you know I can get a hint, right? And uh, and so I said, hey bud, what you know? How you doing? What are you up to? And I want to grab some coffee. And he says, man, some coffee sounds great. So we meet down at the coffee shop and we start talking about family and whatnot. And uh, and I start finding out that he's been kind of going through some tough times between uh, some of his kids' health, uh, trying to find work, uh, stay current on the bills, and, and to top it off, he had skunks living under his house. Uh, but between all these things kind of hitting him all at once, this guy's going through some things, right? And there's a lot more that, going on in it, but this isn't the place you know, to share it, and so we'll move on. Uh, you know, not the kind of stuff that's the end of the world stuff, but some things that can often stress us out, pull us down, get us distracted uh, from the joy that we have. But if you were watching our conversation from across the room and you couldn't hear what he was saying, you would have thought he was talking about how he shot five under on golf this week. Because he has a joy and a freedom about him that, that is beyond material things. He's had it since the day I first met him. Uh, one of those guys that always seems at peace. That's got a love that, he just, that he's wanting to share. Like he's living for more than just today. A true inspiration, the, the kind of people that you want to be around. And you know, he's told me before in the past that he feels that Yahweh led his, led his family to move to Cisco. One of their kids had some serious lung issues, and so they had to move out of a, out of a higher terrain uh, area and come to a lower elevation for her health and and they prayed about it long and hard. You know, where does the Father want them to be? And they, and they felt that they were led to settle here. And that's why, even though he's not on the greatest financial streak right now, he has a faith and a hope that he and his family are in the right place. Right where the Heavenly Father wants them. And so there's nothing to worry about. And nothing to stress about. He has a freedom because of his love and faith in Yahshua and our Father Yahweh. Again, it is for freedom that Messiah has set us free. It is for freedom that Yeshua has came, has come to teach us the ways of his Father. It is for freedom that Yahshua suffered humiliation from the government of his day. It is for freedom that Yahshua bore our sin. That we may not suffer eternal death, but we may rejoice in eternal life. Eternal freedom from death. 1 Corinthians 15:24 says, "Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to Yahweh the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is what? Death. Death will be our final enemy, and oh, what a day when we have freedom from death. Hallelujah. When we can say, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your victory? 
If we keep reading in chapter 15, verse 52, we read, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin of sin is the law. But thanks be to Yahweh which, Yahweh, which gives us the victory through Yahshua, our Messiah. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of Yahweh, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in Yahweh. So in verse 58, Paul here is providing a closing thought and a quick summary of encouragement, saying, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in, in Yahweh's work, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. As believers, we hang our, our entire belief that there is something more than this. There's something after this. If that's not the belief, then all this is in vain. And, and we, we would quickly uh, subscribe to the idea of just eat, a drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. And there's, there's no point in it. Follow after whatever we want to. But we have to know that it is not all in vain. And it's fascinating to be able to go back through history and, and be able to prove the authenticity of, of this book. To be able to go back and prove that, that all this did happen. To prove that there is something more worth living for worth fighting for, that there's a creator worth surrendering to and embracing a life that will give us true freedom. And if you have doubts about the authenticity of this book, uh, I'm not not mad at you, Uh, but I would would encourage you to go search, study, and find out for yourself so you can have a rock to stand on when the adversary tries to sway you on your faith, because he will. In, In Mark chapter 9, there was a man who had a demon, and he was face-to-face with Yahshua, and Yahshua told him, uh, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And the man responded with, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Leo was saying, I mean, I'm 100%, but like, not like 100%, 100%. And what did Yahshua say? He didn't say, I can't believe this. Go away. Leave me alone. But what did he do? He cast out the unclean spirit from the man. And likewise, you know, after Yahshua's resurrection, and all, of that, all the disciples has, had seen Yahshua except for one, who but one doubting Thomas? And telling Thomas did what? He lived up to his name. He said, except that I placed my fingers in the hole of his hands where the nails were driven and thrust my hands into his sides, I won't believe. Now later when Yahshua did appear to them, with Thomas present, and he felt the scars with his own hands. Uh, and he did profess that Yahshua was alive, and they did believe. He said, uh, you see, you know, he, he said, Thomas, you, know, you have seen me, and you have believed, but blessed are those that have not seen me, but still believe. And this doubt is especially common for, for a new believer or you know, soon after baptism, or perhaps a, uh, even a re- an older believer, 
and a pivotal point in their life to be attacked with doubt soon after that event. Our adversary wants us filled with as much doubt as he possibly can. Now, I'm not by nature a research guy, but I, I want to know if what I'm believing is actually true. And all the research that I've done has led me to believe that these documents, though probably not perfectly translated, are so, are so close to being the original written word that they are still very much Yahweh's word. And not man's word, as so many would have us believe these days. But if you find yourself filled up to the neck with doubt, go search, pray about it. Because no one likes being lied to, right? No one ever wants to hear that they've been taught, that what they've been taught or told or believed about something is wrong. No one wants to be lied to. I once had a flight uh, from Atlanta back to Dallas that was delayed like five, six hours. And to make up for our lost time, uh, they gave each passenger 2,500 free fly, free fly miles. And you know how far that is? I mean, 2,500 miles. I was thinking, okay, if I take a round trip, uh, you know, there's a lot of places you can fly for that are 1,250 miles away, you know, I can get a whole round trip for free. And so I go to collect my free round trip airfare sometime later, but there's something you need to know about uh, airline miles, free airline miles. There's some kind of distance connecting, connection broken between regular people miles and free airline miles. <laughs> it turns out, at least with this airline anyways, that as of last night, one airline mile equals 1.3 cents of value. And then you take that value and you put that onto your plane ticket from wherever you're going. So with 2,500 free fly miles at 1.3% value for each mile, that got me from Dallas to about the end of the runway, I think. And then I have to pay the rest of the way. But no one likes to be misled like that or lied to. Or made a fool of. Well, Yahweh's promise doesn't mislead. It doesn't lie to you. It doesn't go back on its word. When he says this is so, he means this is so. Can I get a yes? I can't accept the freedom that is offered to me if I'm too full of worries and doubt. To get to a place of freedom, we have to let go and believe that Yahweh is who he says he is and Yahweh will do what he says he will do and that Yahshua is who the Bible says he is and he has done what the Bible says he has done because without that there is no freedom there is no victory and dare I say there is no hope let's go to Galatians 5 verse 13 For you are called to freedom, brethren, only, only not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let's go to Galatians 4, flip over 1, verse 1 through 11. It was for freedom... Oop, wrong one. 
What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, Yahweh sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. Yahweh sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but Yahweh's child. And since you are his child, Yahweh has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know Yahweh, you were slaves to those who by nature are not Elohim. But now that you know Yahweh, or rather are known by Yahweh, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. And if you're a Galatian, you read that, you're like, oh man, that's rough right there. And like so many things in our spiritual walk, we can sometimes trade in the freedom we have for the chains of sin if we're not guarding our hearts properly. Which doesn't make any sense to the conscious mind. We know what it was like living in sin. It wasn't a good place to be. We don't want to go back, but it's a, it's, it's a drug to our sinful nature, to our carnal nature. We've been in Egypt. We know what it's like. We've been in bondage. Let's not do that again. We've been brought out by a strong hand, but we always have the ability to turn around and march back into those city gates. And they will be there to welcome us with open arms. And you can pick your, your poison or your sin of choice because sin doesn't discriminate or have partiality. The devil will, will work with whatever you, your vice is. Your vice might be different than mine, but you have one. Just like I have one or 50. We all have those main things that are, that are our personal struggles that are constantly there following us around never too far away. Always ready for those handcuffs to get slapped back on, those handcuffs of bondage and sin. Bring us back down, lurking around the corner, following us down dark alleyways or across church parking lots. Ready to slap the old ball and chain back on you again. And I don't mean your spouse. Paul talked about this in Romans. Talked about, you know, I do the very thing that I hate, the very thing I didn't want to do. Let's, uh, let's look over to Romans chapter 7, and we'll read that. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do. But I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now... No longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very thing that I do not want. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it. 
I know I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully, I joyfully concur with the law of Yahweh in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am. What I believe Paul is saying here is we are going to have a sinful side to us as long as we are in this body and we're on this earth. That in the heart of every righteous man, that in the heart of every righteous woman, there will always be a war going on in us between our inner body, the body that loves Yahweh, His perfect laws, and our outer body that loves the way of the world. It makes us a prisoner to sin in our own body. And so Paul asks a question. Wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of death to give me freedom? Let's pick it up in verse, verse 25. Thanks be to Yahweh who delivers me through Yahshua Messiah, our master. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to Yahweh's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Yahshua Messiah, because through Yahshua Messiah, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law, for what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, Yahweh did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to Yahweh. It does not submit to Yahweh's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please Yahweh. So which body are we choosing to live in? A mind controlled by the flesh or by the spirit? For if we are a people in the fleshy body, the, the sinful-natured body, then we are dwelling, dwelling in the things that the sinful body wants. But if we are people living in the spiritual body, then we are dwelling and meditating on the spiritual, the good and righteous. Let's begin in verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of Yahweh lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Messiah, they do not belong to Messiah. But if Yahshua is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Yahshua from the dead is living in you, He who raised Messiah from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Hallelujah to that. If we have His Spirit in us, He will pour life into us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of Yahweh are the children of Yahweh. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are Yahweh's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of Yahweh and co-heirs with Messiah. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Who can grant you true freedom but the king of all? And if we have the spirit in us, that spirit does not make us a slave as does the spirit of the flesh, but rather makes us adopted sons and daughters of the almighty king. Verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Let's read that verse again. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of Yahweh to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to the frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of Yahweh. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Stick with me. In the same way, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for Yahweh's people in accordance with the will of Yahweh. And we know that in all things, Yahweh works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I look forward to a day when Yahweh's people will have true freedom. Freedom from temptation, sin, from death. And isn't it interesting that in order to give us freedom, Yahweh is going to take some things away from us. I want to share a, a thought that my mom had, which she won't share with me. She was talking about the immense freedom that we're going to have in the kingdom, but how sometimes freedom means taking something away. She said, Yahweh is generous beyond words, but someday Yahweh is going to take some of our stuff. Stuff like locks, and keys, and passwords, security questions, spyware, spam, security cameras, gates, fences, guns, legislators, courts, police, prisons, FBI, soldiers, surveillance, plumbing licenses, doctors, hospitals, hospitals, childproof bottle caps, titles, banks, etc., etc. And all these things, as needed, as they are today, are are a direct reflection of an imperfect people. They're a direct reflection of an imperfect government, an imperfect creation. The freedom that will be is going to be pretty amazing. And so many of these things that are intertwined uh, in so much of our life today, like money, will be gone. And I don't think we'll miss it. Keeping to the things that truly matter in this life. Following scripture, having a relationship with Yahweh, Yahshua, running the race well. These are the things that matter. These are the things that give us freedom. That friend I was telling you about at the beginning of this message, uh, at one point in the conversation, he kind of stops and says, uh, you know, he says, he says I, I know I have it you know, so good that, that none of this really matters in the grand scheme of everything. 
And let me stop right there. You ever, are you the type of person, you're probably not, I, I am sometimes, like when someone's taking too long to get somewhere, you want to interject what you think they're going to say? And, uh, and I, I do it probably too often. And so I thought he was going to say, you know, something along the lines of, you know, I, I know I have it so good that now this really matters in the grand scheme of everything. And I almost, I almost interjected, you know, yeah, because we, you know, we, we live in this amazing country. And even on our worst days, we have it so much better than so many people in this world, which would have been a good answer. Uh, but his answer was good, really. So he says, you know, I know I have it so good and that none of this really matters in the grand scheme of everything because I know I have a Savior that gave his life in this world so I, so I can have ultimate freedom from this world. Freedom, that's what we have. He says, I don't need to worry about all this because I have a Savior that already paid it all. And that all this stuff is just, it's the test. I'm just going through it. And we're going to push through. And I'm not going to let it get me down. Galatians 5, again, says, It was for freedom that Messiah set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. I want to close with a, with a real short story. Uh... And it's a, it's, it's a neat little story, and it's kind of hard to keep it sentimental with, uh, when there's a sheep named Shrek part of it. And you might have already kind of known this story. It's pretty neat. It's been around for a while. But uh, Shrek was a, a male sheep that lived in New Zealand who escaped from his shepherd in uh, 1998. And uh, I imagine he probably thought that he knew better than his shepherd. And he spent the next six years living in the wilderness in New Zealand, uh, uh, evading uh, his shepherd, uh, evading all the mustard, the, the, the sheep musters, and, and hiding out in caves, which is crazy. Miraculously, he stayed alive. Uh, in 2004, after he vo- after he'd been, not been caught for six years, he was finally caught on April 15th, 2004. And on all those years of wait being built up on you know, the, the fleece. He hadn't been shorn uh, in you know, six years. All that weight being built up. And Shrek was shorn by a professional in 20 minutes, just a few days after being caught. His fleece contained enough wool to make about 20 large men's suits, weighing about 60 pounds of fleece. And usually they produce about nine and a half pounds per year. And so my question is, who here needs to stop running and come home? You know, uh, as far as a lost sheep running away because we think we know better. Are you tired of carrying around all that extra weight from years in the wilderness and want freedom from that weight? I know a shepherd that can help you with that. He's been looking for you. You've probably heard his voice a few times. And don't ignore it because the devil is like a lion, Scripture says, prowling around seeking someone to devour, perhaps a lonely sheep that is lost from his shepherd. Now, I thought it would be kind of neat. I was wondering uh, how long a sheep's year is to, our, to a human's year. And uh, I thought it would be kind of cool if it was like matched up to 40 years. It didn't. 
Not that I'll put too much weight in it anyways, but uh, in human years, the sheep was lost for 32 years. Uh, but freedom is waiting for you and for me and our Messiah and our Redeemer, Yahshua. The only truth, the only way, the only light, the Son of our Father and Creator, Yahweh. And uh, let's bow our heads. Father, we come before you wanting to, to be the, the best servant that we possibly can be, to be the best follower of Yahshua as we possibly can be. We want freedom. We want the freedom that you offer us, the freedom from sin, the freedom from death that is only found through your Son. And we know that we can do things that can jeopardize that. And we ask that you help us to always encourage one another to sharpen each other, to stay the course, and that we can stay the course, that we will be there on that great day. And we'll be able to hear those amazing words from you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Hallelujah.